Our dear loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us another opportunity to study your word. Lord, as spiritual things are spiritually discerned, we need your help and we need the grace of your Holy Spirit. Grant to us understanding through your spirit. And as a lot is dependent on the words I speak, I pray, Father, that you would put your words in my mouth and grant me utterance that I may speak words that will bless and edify your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. February 16. In the bosom of the shepherd. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 A true shepherd knows and pities and helps the sheep that most need his help, those that are bruised and lame and feeble. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd far more intimately than the patriarch Jacob knew the weak, the suffering, and the lame among his sheep, does the chief shepherd know his flock. He knows what no one else knows. He has himself weighed every burden. No one knows the weight like himself, for he has borne all our griefs and carried all our sorrows. It was this that made him a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If there is not another soul in the universe that regards you, the Lord God of Israel is looking upon you with thoughts of compassion, tenderness, and sympathy. He sees you with your strong impulses when faint-hearted and discouraged. You have the deepest, the richest, the most refreshing sympathy in the bosom of the Great Shepherd. We have not an high priest who cannot sympathize with us, but one who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Not only has every provision been made that when tried and tempted you should find help and strength and grace, but also that your influence upon other minds should be fragrant. Not only does Christ know every soul, and the temptations and trials of that soul, but he knows all the circumstances that irritate and chafe the spirit. Your great danger is in being self-sufficient. This will not do for a Christian. Christ will give you his patience if you ask for it. God's abounding love and presence will give you the power of self-control. He will mold and fashion your mind and character. He will direct your aims and purposes and capabilities in a channel that will give you moral and spiritual power, which you will not have to live here in this world but can carry with you 
and retain through eternal ages. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is In the Bosom of the Shepherd. Jesus said in the book of John 10 verse 11 to 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. What does that mean? Jesus is saying, I am no hireling in your life. I own you. And that does not mean I want to subdue you. It means I care for you. You are my property. I treat you with great respect and care and regard. I will not leave you alone. I will not run away when you are in trouble. I will not flee when you are in distress. I will stand there and fight for you and with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will encourage you. I will lift you up. That is basically what Jesus is saying. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 478, paragraph 4, and down to 479, it says, Of all creatures, the sheep is one of the most timid and helpless. And in the East, the shepherd's care for his flock is untiring and incessant. Anciently as now, there was little security outside of the walled towns. Marauders from the roving border tribes or beasts of prey from their hiding places in the rocks lay in wait to plunder the flocks. The shepherd watched his charge, knowing that it was at the peril of his own life. Jacob, who kept the flocks of Laban in the pasture grounds of Haran, describing his own unwearied labor, said, In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Genesis 31 verse 40. And it was while guarding his father's sheep that the boy David, single-handed, encountered the lion and the bear and rescued from their teeth the stolen lamb. As the shepherd leads his flock over the rocky hills, through forest and wild ravines, to grassy nooks by the riverside, as he watches them on the mountains through the lonely night, shielding from robbers, caring tenderly for the sickly and feeble, his life comes to be one with theirs. A strong and tender attachment unites him to the objects of his care. However large the flock, the shepherd knows every sheep. Everyone has its name and responds to the name at the shepherd's call. As an earthly shepherd knows his sheep, so does the divine shepherd know his flock that are scattered throughout the world. The flock of my pasture are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord. Jesus says, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Ezekiel 34 verse 31, Isaiah 43 verse 1, and 49 verse 16, end of quote. You see, what I have read just now goes to show how much God loves us and longs to help and save us. Among the sheep of the Lord, which is his disciples, we are all not the same. Some are strong, others are weaker. 
but all need care nevertheless. Jesus knows who you are. He knows your weaknesses and he knows mine too. Is it not comforting to you that he knows and he treats us, each one of us individually as if there were not another disciple or human being that needed his attention? He gives us his undivided attention. He pities us and helps us when we need his help. He knows your circumstances. You see, as we are in this life, we do not all pass through the same experience. Other sheep cannot understand their fellowship, although as they come closer to the Lord, we ought to understand one another better. We should understand that we all have different experiences and various circumstances has shaped our lives and brought us to be what we are today with our weaknesses, with our challenges, and with our trials, temptations, and troubles. One sheep may be afraid of crossing the water, while another is a very fast runner, the wolf cannot get him. And then there are other sheep whose problem is climbing the rocks, and others have problem sleeping. All this re- all these represent, to me, as I'm giving the illustration, various troubles that you and I may pass through. We have different weaknesses. But one person, the shepherd, knows how to treat each and every one of us. While we are walking on our journey with the shepherd, we may have been injured by the wolf, the shepherd knows. We may have, while trying to cross or climb a rock, injured ourselves, the shepherd knows. And what does this represent for us? By your environment or your heredity, you may have passed through some temptations and trials that have bruised you. The shepherd knows and he pities, but he does not want us to live continually with the wound on our body. He knows what to do to heal and it's our duty to avail ourselves of his care so that he can heal us. Sometimes we may be depressed and we may have self-esteem issues, thinking that we are worth nothing. Other times our depression comes from disappointed hopes. Our hearts may be broken. Someone broke our heart. You were in a relationship. You had to end it. Or somebody ended a relationship with you. Do not let these things define you. You are worth something in the eyes of Jesus. We read in page 53, paragraph 4 of our devotion. If there is not another soul in the universe that regards you, the Lord God of Israel is looking upon you with thoughts of compassion, tenderness, and sympathy. He sees you with your strong impulses when faint-hearted and discouraged. You have the deepest, the richest, the most refreshing sympathy in the bosom of the Great Shepherd. We have not an high priest who cannot be, who cannot sympathize with us, but one who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. You may not understand what that means, but you should believe it at least. Our Lord Jesus has passed through everything that we have passed through. Whatever your temptations may be, he has been tempted in that direction. Believe it. You don't need to start asking, was he tempted for exam or practice? Did he ever write exams? That's not what it means. The principle behind that temptation is looking for shortcuts to achieve something. Did Jesus Was Jesus presented with a shortcut? Yes. In the third temptation when Satan came, 
Satan told him, all of this will I give you if you will bow to me. What was Satan doing? Satan was offering him a shortcut. He was supposed to pass through the world for three and a half years preaching, healing and teaching. And after that, he was supposed to be humiliated infinitely on the cross and pass through a painful experience to die for our sins so that he can redeem us. Satan said, you don't need to go that, I have, go that way. You don't need to pass through all that suffering. I offer you a shortcut. And that was a temptation for Jesus. Not because he was contemplating yielding, but because he hated the temptation to start with. He didn't even like to hear it with his ears. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. But it was a temptation. And he can sympathize with you. He doesn't condemn. Do you know what it means to sympathize? And we all need to learn to sympathize. Yesterday in our devotion, we, t- we read something there that says that Christ has under shepherds. So he's not the only shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He has under shepherds. We should try to qualify ourselves to be under shepherds. If the chief shepherd can sympathize with our griefs and with our sorrows, the under shepherd should also be able to do the same thing to an extent, to a very great extent. And we should be ready to sympathize with the sufferings and temptations of others. You may see someone whose weakness is a sheep. Don't think that because it's a sheep, they will not fall. They fall. They get wounds. And what are these wounds? It is the consequences of sin. A sheep may fall into the temptation. Maybe they lied. They cheated. They entered into sexual sin. Do you, like our chief shepherd, understand? Do you sympathize with the sinner? Or do you think that all the sinner needs is your condemnation? We have talked about this when we were studying about something that we all can relate with, an attribute that we all may have with God, which is mercy. We looked at it there. We need to be shepherds, under shepherds like the chief shepherd, sympathizing with those that are bruised. Who are those that are bruised? Those that fall into sin. We need to know how to relate with such people and know and understand the temptations that people pass through and be able to sympathize and offer a helping hand to relieve them. Some people, they are in their wounds and they are enjoying it. Don't think that they don't need your help or your sympathy nevertheless. They still need your sympathy. Unless you think that sin is an enjoyment. That's how some people see sin. They are offended with their sister or brother who is already enjoying sin while they are not enjoying. That's why they are offended. They see a sister or brother, oh, he's already having uh, premarital sex. Oh, he's cheating in the exam hall. Why are you offended? Are you offended because you wish you were also cheating? Or you wish you could do what she was doing to get the men to herself? Or you wish you were doing what he was doing to get the ladies to himself and you are offended? Not because that the person is ruining themselves but you are offended that you are not enjoying what they are enjoying and you want to stop him from enjoying it because you think that sin is enjoyment if you understood that the person who is engaging in sin is harming themselves perhaps you will not be so offended with them or disgusted with them as you think you should as you are you would realize that This person, even though they are smiling and thinking they are enjoying themselves, they are actually harming themselves. And that's why you have sympathy for them. This is what Jesus understands. He sees the sinner reveling. Even those who are his sheep, sometimes they fall into sin. They don't even regret it. They think they are enjoying themselves. Does that make Jesus not to have sympathy? No. 
He knows that they are harming themselves. He knows that what they sow they will reap. He knows that trouble and calamity is coming. Why then will he be angry with them in that sense? No. Such people, it is sympathy they need. And that's what we should do. Sympathize. Not by pitying in the sense of stroking them and petting them in their sins. No. But in the mind at least, sympathize knowing that this person is harming themselves. And let that lead you to love. And what do you do in love? Rebuke. The Lord said, as many as I love, what does he do? I rebuke and I chasten. And that is why when we read Psalm 123, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We talk about his rod and his staff. He did not say that the rod and the staff, that what they do to him is that they give him pain. Rather, he said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But in reality, what does the shepherd do with the rod he uses it to strike the sheep when they are going astray he hits them with that rod so that they will come back into the right way and to confirm to confirm this what did david say in psalm 119 he 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 rejoiced in it psalm 119 reading from verse verse 67 he said before i was afflicted i went astray but now i have kept thy word and then also in verse 71 he said it is good for me that i have been afflicted that i might learn thy statutes what do we expect from the shepherd when the sheep is going astray he uses the rod to comfort them that comfort is the affliction so that they can come back david said it's good it's comfort for me that i have been afflicted because before i was afflicted i went astray but now it's good for me that i have been afflicted that is what it means when he says the rod comforts and if we are under shepherds when you pity the sinner when you sympathize that does not mean that you make them continue in their sin like our shepherd the chief shepherd who said as many as i love i rebuke and chasten you also chasten and you chasten in love the love is the mindset and the motive with which you come to give that chastisement remember that you should also be careful lest you also fall while you are rebuking, chastising, and helping the sheep to stand again and bringing them back into the fold when they have gone astray. Reading Desire of Ages, page 483, paragraph 1 and 2, it says, Through all our trials, we have a never-failing helper. He does not leave us alone to struggle with temptation, to battle with evil, and be finally crushed with burdens and sorrow. Though now he is hidden from mortal sight, the ear of faith can hear his voice saying, Fear not, I am with you. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 I have endured your sorrows, experienced your struggles, encountered your temptations. I know your tears, I also have wept. The griefs that lie too deep to be breathed into any human ear, I know. Think not that you are desolate and forsaken. Though your pain touch no responsive chord in any heart on earth, look unto me and live. The mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that had mercy on thee. Isaiah 54 verse 10 However much a shepherd may love his sheep, 
He loves his sons and daughters more. Jesus is not only our shepherd, he is our everlasting father. And he says, I know mine own and mine own know me, even as the father knoweth me and I know the father. John 10 verse 14 and 15. What a statement is this? The only begotten son, he who is in the bosom of the father, he whom God has declared to be the man that is my fellow, Zechariah 13 verse 7. The communion between him and the eternal God is taken to represent the communion between Christ and his children on earth. Amen. If you didn't get the if you didn't meditate on these words, you will not get the exalted the exalting you will not get the high privilege and high exaltation that the Lord has given to us. Jesus said, the same relationship that exists between me and my father, the same way that me and my father know each other, that is the same way that I know you and that's how you are mine and I am yours. What is the relationship between the father and the son? Intimate relationship. They are one. And Jesus says, just as me and my father are one, that is how I am intimately intertwined with your experiences and I am one with you. What is the experience? In Zechariah 13 verse 7, it says there concerning the shepherd, that I should strike him that is my fellow, that is my fellow, that's the word that was used. And Jesus says, in that same vein, we are his fellows. This is a very high experience for us and we ought to understand the privilege that God has given to us to bring us to such close union and intimacy with himself. Believe it that the Lord knows what you are passing through. May I believe it? The Lord knows what I'm passing through. He knows my weaknesses. He does not condemn me and the same with you. And you are to know that he comes to help you. He has passed through everything that you have passed through. Your struggles, he knows it. I don't know what your struggle is, but whatever it is, the Lord knows your struggles. And he knows your tears. He has wept along with you. Remember that he is in all our afflictions. It's not just sickness. Even our emotional afflictions, our spiritual afflictions, our sins. He says in all our afflictions, he was afflicted. As it hurts you, it also it also hurt him, perhaps even more deeply than it's hurting you. Because some of us, we are not hurt enough by our sins. We think we are enjoying it. We are thinking there is something pleasurable about it. And even when we realize, oh, I have sinned, the Lord even realizes more deeply. When you are remorseful, he feels it just like you. And the Lord has mercy upon us. This is the work of the shepherd. And we all are in the bosom of the Father. And it's such a high privilege to know that God has brought us to such a close union with himself. Let us by faith believe it, that you are in the bosom of the Father. I know of some people who have committed sins. They want to repent. Some have repented, but they cannot even go on their knees and pray. They do not understand the Father. They don't know him. They think he wants to hurt them. They think he wants to destroy them. They run away from him, not understanding that if God comes close to them, it is to help. He wants to put them in his bosom. He wants to treat them with tenderness and care. Human beings think that the only thing a sinner deserves is a whipping, is to take a cord and deal with him mercilessly. But that's not the way God thinks. What God thinks is, you are a sinner, you are in need of help. You need mercy, you need kindness, you need tenderness, you need love. 
but it doesn't resonate with us. How can a sinner need love? He needs punishment. That's what we think. But to the Lord, He has already taken the punishment. Why again should He strike you? He has died on the cross for our sins. So what is the point punishing you again? He said in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, Why should you be stricken anymore? You would only go more astray. He does not intend to strike you. Isaiah 1 verse 5. You will revolt more and more. That's what he says. The whole head is sick and the heart is faint. There's no point striking you. It is a misunderstanding to think that God does not understand us and he only has sympathy for the righteous. He also has sympathy for the bruised, for all his sheep. It may not be because of sin, but whatever trial you are passing through, whatever misfortune has befallen you, be it sorrow that comes through death or the loss of your job or something else that is important to you, the Lord cares. No matter how small that thing looks, he cares about it. He is interested in it and he wants to help. And that is why we should take advantage of the privilege given to us to draw near to him. In conclusion, I would like to read two things. One from Upward Look, page 332, paragraph 6. It says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. He had to understand all about the weakness of man, the strength of Satan's temptations. He took humanity right upon himself and bore all the temptations of the devil, and he knows what every man has to endure. Consider Christ's pity for man. He knows just how they were born. He knows just how they were surrounded in childhood. He, you don't know what temptations came with their birth. You, that's me, you, you don't know what temptations came with my own birth and I don't know what came with your own birth. You don't know the conditions of their parents. Put away all judgment. Judgment belongs to the Son of God. He is the one who is to judge the world. Amen. You know, I like to tell people some stories at times. I, I remember telling one of my friends to make us understand what it means when the word of God says, judge not. Perhaps you see a young man today and you hear, this man, he has been sleeping around. He's both homosexual, bisexual. He's, he's bisexual, sleeps with both men, women, every one of them. And he molests someone. Most likely, most people who do not understand, the only thing they have for such a person is disgust, hatred, condemnation. Who is this pedophile? Even as far as sleeping with little children? Oh, such a terrible person. But then, when the story of the person is known and you are told, this boy, this man you are seeing, when he was younger, he lived with parents that did not care for him. And he was molested severally, serially. He lived with somebody who molested him over and over and over again to the point where it became his second nature to engage in sexual acts. Now he is grown and he is somebody who cannot resist as much as others. When you hear such a story, do you still want to judge? Do you still feel that disgust? Do you still feel the condemnation in you when you hear the story? Do you want to pity now? Yes, you do. That is what God means when he says, judge not. You know that somebody is a sinner, yes, but withhold your hatred. 
withhold your condemnation. Withhold your harsh treatment of the person because you don't know what has made them what they are. And if you were to pass through the same experiences that the person passed through, you may not be any better. Perhaps you may be worse. And this is why our Lord Jesus understands these things. We may not understand everybody's situation, but our Lord Jesus understands. And therefore, he is a faithful high priest. And for all of us, we can trust in him, knowing that he understands us. The second reading is from Steps to Christ, page 100 and down to 101. It says, Keep your wants, your joys, your sorrows, your cares and your fears before God. You cannot burden him. You cannot weary him. He who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. James 5 verse 11 His heart of love is touched by our sorrows and even by our utterances of them. Take to him everything that perplexes the mind. Nothing is too great for him to bear, for he holds up walls. He rules over all the affairs of the universe. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. There is no chapter in our experience too dark for him to read. There is no perplexity too difficult for him to unravel. No calamity can befall the least of his children. No anxiety harass the soul. No joy cheer. No sincere prayer escape the lips of which our Heavenly Father is unobservant or in which he takes no immediate interest. He healed the broken in heart and binded up their wounds, Psalm 147 verse 3. The relations between God and each soul are as distinct and full as though there were not another soul upon the earth to share his watch care, not another soul for whom he gave his beloved son. End of quote. Amen. This is what we are to do. Not, don't be afraid. Keep everything before the Lord. He understands. Let us take advantage of our merciful Father and be in the bosom of the Chief Shepherd. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for your loving kindness, for your mercy, and for your goodness towards us. As we behold your character, we pray that we are transformed into the same image. But we also pray that we shall see you for what you are and know you for what we are, that we may take advantage of your mercies and your love, that we may keep all our wants, our joys, our sorrows before you, no matter how little or big it is. Thank you, Father, that you care for even the smallest thing that concerns us. No matter how little we know now that you care for us. Thank you, Father, for such watch care. We pray that you help us to be more and more like you. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawas.org or contact info 